Good afternoon, Captain, and welcome back. We've been waiting. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And back from the cornfield, I'm Kevin. That's true. We we like I did wish you away for a week, and then I brought you back. So um, so uh, thanks again to Steve for showing up on the show last week, and for Chuck for dropping in. Uh, it was it was yeah. a good time. Uh, yeah, uh, that was it was a fun talk, and I'm glad Steve got to come on and and uh, talk about it's a good life. It was an important episode, and we had a good talk. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a good time uh, getting together in the same studio for once because uh, <laughs> we're too lazy to drive 20 minutes across town. Well, it's funny because um, I messaged you. I'm like, like you're like, you were talking before we're setting up for the show. You're like, I can't remember the last time I set up in here. And I looked through and it was almost a year to the day <laughs> Like, because um, I have other reasons why I need to come over in August to, to visit with you. But it's just funny <laughs> that it was, it was actually almost on the same day that we sat in the same room and recorded. So it's been a little while. Yeah. yeah, it was fun though. But I I feel like Chuck Norris drops in any time we uh, record in the studio here. That's that's true. Uh, it's pretty hard to avoid him. I just like that we see each other probably so much in real life that we don't think about recording. To, I don't, it's just a weird thing where like it isn't like we don't ever talk to each other. It isn't like we don't make eye contact if we see each other in the supermarket. You know, it's just uh, I don't know. It just it works out better to Skype. So, but it was fun to be in the same room for once. It was a good time. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. So, not speaking of a good time, we're going to get into this <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I, I like. I feel like any any jokes I make are going to be in poor taste. So, here's the disclaimer: I'm not going to say anything offensive. I just feel like I feel like already rolling in. I'm going to be tone deaf, and I don't mean to be that because this is a very <laughs> it's a very serious episode, and it needs to be. And I and in, 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 and I know me, and I'm horrible about being serious for more than 30 seconds at a time. So I apologize in advance about any discussion or I might make a stupid joke because this episode does not lend itself to jokes whatsoever. So it's on me, not the episode. That's a good disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. I'll, we'll definitely give our, uh, our serious thoughts at the end, but, yeah. um, yeah, we'll do our best to be as respectful as we can for this episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, so this episode is, uh, uh death's head revisited, by the way, badass title. It is one of the, we talk about how sometimes the titles of the episodes don't always give you the expectations for what the episode is. Like, I know you mentioned the season one, like I shot an arrow into the air was like a cool title. And then the episode itself, like you and I didn't particularly like, like it as much. This is a really, really good title. They make, it makes you wonder what's about to happen. Yeah. Um, and it, it fits the episode as well. Absolutely. Uh, season three, episode nine air date, uh, November 10th, 1961, Number one film uh, at the time, West Side Story, which, you know, obviously we talked about that previously. Number one song, Big Bad John by Jimmy Dean. Talked about that previously as well. 
Um, it would not be an episode of Strange Highways without talking about some random animal catastrophe. So I'm about to get into this right now. Uh, on this date, an Atlas missile launched from the United States with a squirrel monkey on board exploded 30 seconds after liftoff while being tested for a 5,000-mile flight. The body of Goliath, which was the name of the squirrel monkey, the 24-ounce passenger was found in the wreckage two days later. So, uh, R.I.P. Goliath, R.I.P. <laughs> Hyperion. I just feel like as we go along, we're just going to have animal death in the wake of our show. Oh, uh, Paul, it's not funny at all. You have to be respectful about the squirrel monkey dying the, on the, the rocket. 24, um, <laughs> the 24-ounce passenger named Goliath. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of love that, though. Are there any pictures of Goliath? I didn't, I didn't go that far. I just now am imagining... I, like I want to imagine that the rocket failed because Goliath didn't press the right buttons in time. So you have the squirrel monkey panicking in this cockpit, pressing <laughs> buttons and grabbing like a flight stick. And they're like, Goliath, no. And then it just detonates, you know, like they trained him for weeks to be ready. Oh, for this he's flight. so cute. I think I found him. Oh, so there yeah. you go. We'll definitely post that to the <laughs> Facebook page. Um, so is Goliath oh, the new Hyperion? Is that is Goliath taking the place for season three? Oh, no, I think this is uh, Miss Baker. This is the successful squirrel monkey that went to space. I don't think it survived, but it actually made it to space. Do you think NASA, like, do you think they were known for taking before pictures? I don't think they were known for that. I think they were just always better with, like, you know, hey, they came back. We should show that as opposed to, well, that happened. You know, like, like how many photos exist of all the Russian dogs that got shot in the space, but that didn't quite make it? You know, yeah, no, like, Baker survived. 1959 trip to Jup on a <laughs> Jupiter rocket. Oh. Uh, made it back, survived. Uh, many other animals, though, have not been so lucky. <laughs> Baker was telling Goliath, don't worry, you'll be okay. And he's like, I got this. And he didn't get it. So Yeah, it's funny. Go. 1959 survived. Uh, Goliath. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. The 24-ounce passenger knows Goliath. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Goliath. But yeah, I just I, I read that that fact. I'm like do I really need to go into more animal death on this show? And I'm like, well, we've already set the precedent. So it would, I uh, feel like we wouldn't be true to ourselves if I didn't mention space travel and mishaps and animals dying. So, yeah. Oh, Miss Baker has a certificate of merit for the space trip. We got a little <laughs> award around her neck. It's adorable. I'm sure she told the rest of the animals and they were jealous. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's why Goliath got on board. <laughs> I, I want that medal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there you go that that's uh, your day and date information for for this yeah, episode so and there are other topical events going on that are pertinent to this story yes and i'm sure we'll get into that when we talk about this uh at the end of the episode so okay, i kind of leave that for later so we'll jump into cast and crew this episode was directed by our old friend don medford who we recently discussed on the episode the mirror uh but he also did a uh, the third story he did uh, involving fascists was A Man in the Bottle. Uh, yeah. And originally, if you want to hear our discussion about his career, you can go back to A Passage for Trumpet. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, that's that's it. And then this uh, yeah. written by Rod so Serling. Three, three episodes about fascism uh, that Don Medford has been involved in. So, you, I, I, I wonder why he was the go-to guy for this. Do you feel like he was passionate about it, or just like every single time, like Rod has an idea and he's like, "I guess I'll do it." Do you think? Yeah, that- nobody else wants to. They're <laughs> worried about backlash. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, this episode was written by Rod Serling, as you just mentioned. Um, the cast: we have Joseph Shieldkraut, who plays Alfred Becker. 
uh, Austrian actor who was in one other Twilight Zone episode. He was a silent film actor who actually made the trans- transition into those talkies. Those talkies. Um, and I believe he won an Oscar, at least was nominated for his portrayal of Otto Frank and Diary of Anne Frank, the mm-hmm. screen adaptation in 1959. Yeah, and he was also, and I mentioned this last episode, he was supposed to be the lead in The Obsolete Man, but then, um, and I think he would have been fine in that, especially after seeing his performance here, but I think going with Burgess Meredith with more of a undeterminate origin uh, you know, of his her- you know, heritage, I think that fit that story better than than maybe having him in that role because I think it would have been a little bit more on the nose for what they were trying to say with that episode with him. So yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, next up, we have Oscar Beragi Jr., who plays the SS Captain Gunther Lutz. Uh, we recently discussed him this season on the or was it last season? Last season. Uh, yeah, last season with Rip Van Winkle Caper. He plays Farwell in that. Yeah, that's. I mean, oh. and he has one other appearance, uh, and we'll we'll talk about his performance here too. Like, so it definitely, uh, you know, interesting performance, and I feel like this is a much better outing story wise for him than the Rip Van Winkle caper. Yeah, definitely. Um, and those are pretty much your two main actors. I'll jump into the other three people that are credited in this, um, but both pretty great performances from them. We have. I don't know how you pronounce this. Karin Vern. I think so. Who plays, who plays the innkeeper. So it's her only Twilight Zone appearance, but I wanted to mention uh, maybe a year or two ago, I went on a little Sherlock Holmes kick and I watched a movie called Sherlock Holmes and the secret weapon, uh, which I highly recommend. One of my favorite out of those older uh, Basil Rathbone ones. Um, it's, it's basically Sherlock Holmes aiding a Swiss chemist who's keeping a secret for this uh, super bomb away from the Nazis. Hmm. So they're kind of protecting this bomb maker from them. And it's uh, it's very interesting, very different for a Sherlock Holmes story. So I, I just want to bring that one up because she's actually pretty highly billed in that, uh, that story. I don't know if you have anything else for her. No, I, there's a, I, unfortunately, her and Elias people, they're their only appearances in the series. Um, and I will also mention just, just before we get there, cause I feel that this is important to, um, the context of the episode, uh, uh, pretty much everybody, the casting of this episode, uh, it, all of the cast were European born and a lot of them all had connections to the events that we're about to talk about. So, um, purposeful casting that I think is, yes. that, that's interesting that uh, watching it the first time through, like during the original air date, you probably wouldn't pick up on, but to know that they had the kind of care and caution with what they were doing with the story they were telling, I, I dig it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, last two people I'll bring up. Uh, we have Robert Boone as the taxi driver who was in one other episode of the Twilight Zone. Uh, lots of war films and TV work. Not much else there. And then we have Ben Wright, uh, who plays the doctor, who was the captain of the ship on Judgment Night in the first season of Twilight Zone. Yeah, and all I have, because there's a number of these people that are listed as victim, and it's it, so I couldn't tell you who's who. Uh, yeah. Chuck Fox, he, he was he only had three credits as an actor. This oh. was one of them, and two of the other the other two were in Batman the the '66 series. That's which is weird. It's like you he played a re, he played a, a reoccurring character called uh, was it Thin Man? I think what it was listed here. So one episode of Twilight Zone and two reoccurring appearances in Batman. Like how do you how's that happen? Uh, yeah, and then uh, who who is that? David McCall? No, uh, Chuck Fox. 
Chuck uh, Fox. Uh, David McCall was he played um, an uncredited role as the bartender in Rio Bravo. So I wanted to mention that because I'd watched that last year. That's uh, John Wayne and um, Dean Martin and that other singer kid that uh, didn't quite make it so far in life. Um, there's a very, very famous scene with uh, Dean Martin uh, in a bar uh, calling out everybody, and he makes an amazing gunshot. So I think the bartender in there is the same guy that's this this uncredited in that uh, David McCall. So hmm. Rio Bravo, it's 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 a western worth watching. That's I'll say that. So <laughs> I thought you were just gonna say Rio Bravo, Rio Bravo. It's a movie. No, it was. You, I, I've, I, not to get into the John Wayne kick. I, I not that I've seen a ton of his movies, but I think some of them are kind of take it or leave it. I, I liked Rio Bravo better than some of the stuff I watched him in, and and Dean Martin I think was the the uh, he stole the show so. That's that's definitely a good one to watch. And also, the music in that movie actually inspired a, a crap ton of spaghetti westerns going forward. So it's an important yeah. movie to watch. Definitely. Yeah. So, so I, that's all right. Well, yeah, that's I, I got some other minor appearances here. It's not all of them. Not that the important. There's someone from the Escape Clause, The Silence, uh, Judgment Night. Like so, these people have shown up in other episodes we we've talked about, but I don't think they've had significant enough roles that we remember who they were exactly. Yeah, outside of Ben Wright, who was the captain yes, of Judgment yeah, Night. That's, yeah. So. so, all right. Anyway, uh, take it away. Uh, we'll just get to Serling. And just so you guys know, we will have to have two minutes of talk, just a minute and a half. So <laughs> we'll get to that. Mr. Schmidt recently arrived in a small Bavarian village, which lies eight miles northwest of Munich. A picturesque, delightful little spot, one time known for its scenery but more recently related to other events having to do with some of the less positive pursuits of man. Human slaughter, torture, misery, and anguish. Mr. Schmidt, as we will soon perceive, has a vested interest in the ruins of a concentration camp. For once some 17 years ago, his name was Gunter Lutze. He held the rank of a captain in the SS. He was a black uniformed strutting animal whose function in life was to give pain. And like his colleagues of the time, he shared the one affliction most common amongst that breed known as Nazis. He walked the earth without a heart. And now former SS Captain Lutzer will revisit his old haunts, satisfied perhaps that all that is awaiting him in the ruins on the hill is an element of nostalgia. What he does not know, of course, is that a place like Dachau cannot exist only in Bavaria. By its nature, by its very nature, it must be one of the populated areas of the Twilight Zone. Normally, whenever I say that, like, you know, Sterling goes on too long to set up the story, I feel like this is this the length here was was OK. Like it definitely like did he oversell what was about to happen? That's fine. I, it, this there's nothing subtle about this episode whatsoever. So his intro should not be subtle either. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I love. I just kind of want to get it out of the way first. So like, we've talked about it in the past. I love that Serling. He's really the guy who started putting current events and these hard to talk about subjects within genre storytelling and everything. And I love the way that he's able to mix things in. And I, I'm I'm trying to dance around the current events that are going on at the time because I don't want to spoil it yet. I kind of want to talk about it at the end. Um, but this is definitely one of those episodes where I think, uh, in anyone else's hands, this could have been a disaster. 
Oh yeah. I mean, do I feel like this is a little heavy handed and it, it, it's, um, definitely just, it just keeps like hitting you over and over again, which it should, I'm not saying it shouldn't do that. Um, I, from a episode of Twilight Zone, I don't know how much, I, I guess I'm conflicted because do I feel like this was a satisfying 25 minutes? I don't know about that. Do I feel like it's an important story to be told at the time and be very in your face about it? Absolutely. So I guess I'm torn between his heavy handedness with it, which is rightfully so deserved. Um, and unfortunately it, a lot of it rings true still. Um, but it's, there's something missing and, and, and maybe we'll figure it out as we talk, talk about it, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah it's, yeah, it's, there, yeah. there are definitely certain lines within this episode that just ring a bell with yeah. stuff that's going on or stuff that has gone on in the past year or so. And, um, it's, it's unfortunate, but I'm glad this episode exists for that reason. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is one that should have been shown in classrooms growing up. Like, you know, like, like <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> it's like, all right, guys, we're going to watch a short film right now. And, and now afterwards we're going to take some questions and you're going to feel bad about things. So yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, like, so the, the intro to this with uh Schmidt walking into that, that, um, you know, what is it? N and um, like trying to get like a room and the innkeeper recognizing him. It, it's very, it was really off kilter. Like I just, at first I wasn't like, I mean, it's very obvious that he knows who he is and she knows who he is, but he's daring her to call him out. Like it's a very bizarre thing. Yeah. Cause he almost looks proud of himself and yeah. uh, he's like, no, I was, I was never uh, an SS officer. I was in the Panzer division. I was on the front lines. You know, and everything, and he was like, "Well, what what city is this? Wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, wasn't there something that was here?" And she was like, uh, "Yeah, it's it's Dachau, and there was a, a concentration camp, which I, if I'm not mistaken, was the first concentration camp. Yes, um, that was created. I I went down a bit of a rabbit hole reading about all this stuff, and yeah, it's the first one, and it actually was the one, I believe it was the one in the longest operation as well." So, because it was actually relatively close to um, uh, Berlin, I, I, the, the, my geography is terrible, so I apologize. But it was actually relatively close to the seat of power of what was going on during World War II. So it actually had the most purpose, unfortunately, for all the camps. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he ends up uh, after he realizes where he's at. He's like, "Um, oh, okay, I'm gonna leave then." Um, we get that whip pan, whip panda surling. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I was hoping he would walk in like after him or something. <laughs> like put his cigarette uh, on, like Schmidt, like put it on. The yeah, <laughs> right on, right on the lapel, like right where the <laughs> pin would have been. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he he sets it up, and then um, so then you get Schmidt going to uh, Dachau, and it's and the music, by the way, which is stock music. Is like and sometimes I feel like in the Twilight Zone, the music, like if they're using stock, isn't always like the best suited. This is like something about like how and like it's very, it's ominous and serious, but also very like, um, like man on a mission type feeling. Like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's, well, it's very, almost got like a military march uh, a cadence bit. to it. Yeah. I, I, I little dug bit. it. I dug, how, I wouldn't say a march, but it's definitely got kind of a military cadence to it. Yeah. Um, but it's always disappointing for me when I'm taking notes. I'm like, ooh, great music in my notes. And then I'm sitting there writing down notes, like going through cast and crew and everything. And I look at 
the composer, it's like stock. <laughs> well, that means ah, like, damn it. Credit to them that they have that access to that library, right? The and the CBS is able to pull it and find the right kind of tone because I feel like the music <laughs> was very, it it was very foreboding, and I and I dug it like so. But yeah, it's like he shows up to the end, harasses the innkeeper into basically almost saying, say my name. And then he ends up at the camp. And um, so you got Schmidt walking around um, kind of like having like um, like a greatest hits party, like walking around, reminding himself of all of all the things he did while he was an officer at this camp. And uh, he, so if anybody has listened to the show for any length of time and looked at our Facebook page, you'll see that I grab screen images from the episodes. And I always try to find like weird or striking imagery. This is the first time that I purposely avoided something. And um, we'll talk about it in a second. It's 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 a it's a hugely striking image, um, but I, I could not bring myself to screen cap it because I did not want to put it on the internet for other people to grab and use. And I think I know yeah. what you're talking. You, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. So as he's walking around, yeah. um, there are like three. I don't know what you would call them. Vignettes. They're, they're, I don't know. It's, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean the actual like poles oh, that are oh, up yeah, there. The, um, the stocks, the, the hanging it, poles. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. not really like gallows or anything, but yeah. we'll call them gallows. There's like three poles with like the nooses where they would be hung off of. And as he's looking at them, the bodies just kind of fade in yeah. of three hanged prisoners on there. Oh, it's 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 so wrong. And yeah, I um, <laughs> I avoided that. Not like because it's like out of context that like even in context it's terrible but out of context it's worse and i just i did not want to submit that to the to the ether that is the internet you know so um i had a struggle <laughs> with some of the imagery in this this episode and purposely so that this episode's supposed to challenge you and make you think twice about humanity and what people are capable of doing and like so like mission accomplished but yeah yeah i, I mean I, we're I, watching this in 2018 and we're squirming it's yeah it's still shocking to look at yeah um yeah so he ventures into one of the i guess the bunks and uh there's there's a little great moments as he's walking i don't want to say great moments but great insight into his character yeah and who he was as he goes in the bunks there's a table that he just pushes over for no reason he kicks a bucket across the room and he's almost like marching and smiling as he walks through yeah and we get uh we get him recalling himself in his SS uniform, ordering prisoners out of bed and like lining them up and everything. And uh, it's, you get the picture of him smiling and looking off at the distance. And then over his shoulder, you get the little vignette of him in uniform. And it's, uh, I I like how they did it. it's, It's like the worst senior class portrait ever. You know, of like him looking like in the foreground with him in the background. Like it's very so. I, so I did capture one of those because it's very the juxtaposition of him remembering the past is is terrible. You know, and the way that he kind of it's like he's like in, in in motivation for his character, which we'll get to later. Like he's coming back to the point at which he was the most powerful. You know, and and the way he remembers the way he treated people is different than the people there remember him. You know, and it's, yeah. it, it's like, and so it, it's like eight minutes to the episode before we get to that point. So a lot of it's just him like patting himself on the back and remembering the good old days. And it well, is it's hard great to watch. 
later on in the episode, he his character, not Rod Serling, um, he tries to paint himself as like sympathetic, as in like it's not my fault and everything. Mm-hmm. But getting this eight minutes at the beginning of him, uh, at the beginning of the episode with him patting himself on the back makes him irredeemable in my eyes. Oh yeah, I mean, and they're, they're, it, it's yeah. it's perfectly set up. I mean, when we get to the twist meter, there's there's you know there. This is one of those ones where there's no twist. This is straight up like the bad yeah, guy is well, coming back to the bad place, and bad things are going to happen to the bad guy. You know, so sorry. Yeah, I, I, and certainly kind of spoils yeah. it with the intro. You can kind of get an idea about what's going to happen. So yeah. So, but yeah, it's so hard to watch, even though, uh, with being you know 1961 on television, there's things that you can't show, but the way that he takes glee and the things that he says to people. And there's a bit where one of the things he's walks into the one, like the detention block. And there's the, the ghostly image of a prisoner. And he says to him, he's like, why are you so upset? It's only been five days since you've had water. And it's like, that is a horrific thing to say to somebody, you know? And it, and, and the way he just is just dismissive of, of everything that happened to those people. And it's very, it's one of those things that like with, with being the television at the time, you couldn't show everything, but the knowledge, even, even now, I think our knowledge of what happened is even greater as well. It should be. It just, it just makes it just so difficult to sit through. Yeah. And uh, another little thing that I caught when he was walking into that detention center, do you notice the step broke Yeah, when he was walking in? Like I love that's another little piece of uh, attention to detail that I love in this episode. You know, like him knocking over the table and he walks into the last one really shows his demeanor and everything and how his character carries himself. But like watching that step break and everything, it's almost like it, it the past is gone. You know, the, the way he saw things, the way he's remembering things is not the way things are anymore. Yeah. And it's just these tiny little things, but it's noticeable in this. Um, cause you know, I don't, I don't, a lot of times I miss those kind of little things, not going through it two or three times. Um, but they really set up every time he walks into a different location. There's something a little like that that's happening. Well, um, even, and I, even the bit I where was he's really impressed. Oh, well, sorry. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. The, the bit when he no, walks in it. to talk to the prisoner about withholding water and have that memory, you saw over his shoulder, there's still a poster of Hitler on the wall behind him. And it was like really, it's like a special guest Hitler. It was really just like, I, not that we didn't know what we were looking at and not that, um, and you had the innkeeper say, I don't even know why that place is still existing there, but there was a poster of Hitler over his shoulder as he's remembering with the smile on his face of the time that he denied the prisoner water for five days. Like there is just not that, not that he Sterling's hiding anything cause he's not. But it's just that much further where you literally have the face of the person who made the decision that everybody else fell in line with to do these horrible things to these people. It, it's a very, um, it's bold. You know, and considering that we find out that this is only 17 years after what actually took place. Like, think about that, too. 17 years. Like, like that's, that's not a long time. Like, to be, yeah. like, to process... And, 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 and I know this is the title of the episode, but to revisit it, you know, like that's like, um, we're, we're, how many years past are we from uh nine 11? It's, it's not, it is 17 years, isn't it? Is it going to be 18, like 17 this, this, uh, September, I think. 
Like that's yeah. that's crazy. Like to me, and and as as much as a tragedy as that is, um, there was I mean, I argue that there's way bigger tragedies in World War II to process and then put on television for people to watch. Like I I can't fathom that. Yeah, and and, and that's why this episode is still so powerful when you go back and watch it yeah. today. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so let's get to the Nazi doing like remembering all the bad things he did. Like that's all it, it's, just, it's, it's him. It's just him kind of drinking it in again. Like it's almost, it's almost like the Al Bundy scoring four touchdowns in one game. Like this is his, this was his peak of himself, you know? Yeah. And, and it's I, uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> yeah. Not that Al so Bundy was it. a Nazi, but he did have four touchdowns in one game and that's all he ever talked about. So he, pr- he probably pushed the desk <laughs> over in his day. <laughs> yeah. Right. He was at the shoe store. He was just angry about things. This is not where I thought our conversation would end up tonight on uh, Al Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> that's my fault. You know, Polk high four touchdowns in one game, but, but it's yeah, all right. He, but yeah. Um, Schmidt slash Lutz, Lutza, Lutza, Lutza. Yeah. I, I pronounce it incorrectly. Um, Gunther Lutza. Yeah. He, uh, he walks back out to the courtyard and then he's uh, confronted by, um, by Becker. If, if yeah. I remember right. One so. of his, uh, one of one of the prisoners that was at this concentration camp and he has some creepy lines right off the bat just like we've been waiting and uh as he's talking to him the gate locks in the front and uh he keeps getting closer and closer to him and uh lutza asks him like oh are you the caretaker here now like it's uh it's it's funny that we should meet Yeah, I I don't know why it's funny that they should meet, but um, he's like with things changed and all. I, I like that the the gate when it locked itself. Like my my uh, rule in life is that if doors are closing and locking by themselves, you did something really bad for that to happen. Uh, and then also whenever he asks him like, "Are you the caretaker?" He's like, "In a manner of speaking." And then while this is going on, you hear this wind. But it's not just wind. There's like, um, <clears throat> there's like a chorus of voices like moaning going on. Yeah, with it's wind. like moaning. It almost sounds like wolves howling. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's just weird noises. And uh, he does comment uh, comment on it at some point during their conversation. Yeah, because because at one point um, um, he he keeps referring. Uh, Becker refers to Lutz. He keeps calling him Captain, and he's like, "Stop!" He's like, "Don't call me Captain." He's like, you know, I'm, I'm no longer in this. And uh, and then um, Becker's like, you were never a soldier. Like, he goes in this big speech about basically. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's cutting, cutting commentary. About well, I love people. it because he's like, you know, once you put that uniform on, you can't take it off. Yeah. Like that. Uh, the I, I forget what the actual German word is for the skull and crossbones, the deaths ahead. Yeah, the big um, thing is that pin the, that they would wear. The the, the um, actual it's like it's it's burned into your chest. Like the like, bones, I think were be, not behind it, but something about the the death's head like sigil was different than others, and that's why because this is a playoff of a bride's head revisited. That's where the title comes from. So like with with yeah. the death's head. Uh, Serling specifically pointed out to it saying that's something that that's not part of uniform. That's who you are. And it's very um, like just cutting. And it, it's, and, and I like that um, Becker and um, the actor uh, Schildkraut, like how matter of fact he is the entire, he's never like, he obviously he feels that justice needs to be served, but he's never, he's never menacing. He's always just like, this is what's going on. You were not a soldier. This is who you are. 
and then um, and then uh, Lutz is basically saying, uh, "No, I was I was I was doing as we were told." And then there becomes the whole like dissection of like, "Oh, it's easy to pass the buck being told you were do you know doing what you were told." Whenever ten million people were in these camps and you you killed them all, and at one point there's a line in there saying, "You tore up their bodies in rage." That that is such a like dichotomy of like you're being told like you were told to do this but somehow you took great pleasure in what you did so how does that absolve you and it's, yeah it's, it's oh it's 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 amazing yeah so he tries to run a few times <laughs> and uh he refers to the crimes against humanity <laughs> that he's done as little mistakes yeah and that's that's the one time that uh becker's character the ghost kind of Snaps uh, at him. Loses is cool because yeah. he kind of snaps at him. And he's like little mistakes, <laughs> like. Uh, but he tells him that his trial is going to begin, and there is a court waiting for him in Compound Six, which I believe was the uh, uh, the bunks or the barracks, whatever you would call it. Well, I um, like that. Whatever um, uh, uh, Lutz was like, I must leave you now, Becker, and then he runs with like <laughs> arms splayed away from him, like I gotta go, and he just runs away from him. Like it's not meant to be funny, but that kind of was like very like, all right, I'm out. Like it was kind of like, and he runs towards the camera. And, I just think yeah. that uh, that actor couldn't run. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I I just like that uh like he ran towards the camera and it filled up the entire frame then it cut to him uh being inside that um that barracks or whatever you want to call it and he's running against the door and he falls down. It was a really it was a really smart like cutaway but his running with arms flailing was really funny and it was not meant to be but it cracked me up. So I I will say that I laughed at that. Yeah, so when he looks up, he's got uh he's surrounded by all of the other prisoners that were at this camp, um, or at least some of them that he had killed. Yeah, which is haunting because uh, it was upside down and it slowly turned around upside, right side up. It was a really stark image. Yeah, it reminded me of Obsolete Man a little bit in little the end bit. with yeah. all the people standing around. Um, so he begs and everything. He says, you know, I was only following orders. He calls this inhumane, and <laughs> which uh, <laughs> the... <laughs> Yeah. Um, so he's condemned to death and I, I love that Becker has that big scroll he's reading mm-hmm. off and everything and he screams and collapses and as he screams though you get the moans of all of the ghosts surrounding him at the yeah. same time and again it, it kind of bring it back to obsolete man again there's that whole sound thing with everyone building up like that oh, thing that I found really off putting in that uh, this had the same effect on me. Yeah, and some of the like the distorted uh, like camera work and the running to and from the frame reminded me a little bit of Perchance to Dream, a little bit from the first season, how surreal it was. Like, yeah, and, and, and yeah, like, definitely yeah. not on the level of Perchance to Dream because some of that stuff was real over the top. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I can see where it come from with but, that. But the, his screaming, his sudden like chickening out, being like, "But no," and then everybody else kind of screaming with him or moaning. Like it's one of those things that like you, it by itself is disturbing and it's very effective, but it's so fast that if you weren't paying attention, you'd miss it. So I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. So he wakes up and starts ripping the boards off the window next to him and Becker is still there. The rest of the ghosts are gone and he thinks he's having a dream, um, but it, it is in fact not a dream. 
and he says that he's guilty and it's now time to pronounce the sentence. So at this point, this is when uh, uh, Lutza kind of gets, you see the old SS officer mm-hmm. coming out of him and he starts he starts laughing and he calls him out. He's like, you are going to pronounce the sentence? Like, what are you, what are you going to do? This? And he smashes the window and uh, he starts asking, you know, like, I, why didn't I kill you when I had the chance? And then as he's saying that, you see it come over him that he realized he did kill Becker mm-hmm. uh, back uh, during the time that he was overseeing this camp. It was like the night when the Americans got close to the camp. So it was basically whenever, you know, the things were falling apart, the Germans knew they were going to lose. Sorry, the Nazis knew they were going to lose World War II. And so instead of like surrendering and giving up the prisoners, it was, I'm going to take them all out so they can't get them. Like, and it was mm-hmm. very much like, you know, on top of the cruelty, like it was, we're not going to let anybody out of here. And that like, it, it was a very small, like small statement, but it spoke to, uh, Lutz's like attitude towards that. Like, you know, I'm going to take as many, <clears throat> as many of these guys out as I can before the power's taken away from me. And yeah. it is dark. Yeah. So he, he lunges at him and as he lunges at him, we get another, uh, disorienting uh change of scenery uh as he's about to grab him he ends up grabbing the uh, i guess i'll call him the gallows outside yeah or the stocks outside and um he's he's basically gone insane and he's he's feeling all of the pain that he's inflicted on the prisoner so um Oh, Becker is taking him around to the different stations yeah, and he's just like Lutza runs to the gates he's like yeah he goes like, to the yeah. gate and he's like you remember you gunned down hundreds of uh, prisoners against this gate and everything do you hear the sounds do you feel the machine guns and everything and you hear the machine guns in the background and then he takes him back to the the um, the gallows and everything and he's like do you remember stringing humans up and everything and torturing them and he's feeling it and he takes him back to the uh, detention center and he's talking about how he tortured all these people and everything and he's laying on the ground you can tell that he's like kind of feeling that pain well because you even hear on them. what the when he talks about do you do you remember the bullets striking like you hear the sounds of gunfire yeah that's why yeah, i say you yeah, hear yeah, the yeah. machine gun yeah. like in the background yeah and so like you get it like he's going through everything he's inflicted upon everybody else and so <laughs> and so then uh, it cuts to uh, the doctor and like a cab driver Ugh. finding him like lying on the ground. No, they don't. Sorry. They already removed him. They said they, they took enough drugs to wear like the game in the, the vehicle. And they're like, what could have happened in two hours to drive someone insane? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe coming back and revisiting all the horrors that you, you did everybody. That might be enough, but it was almost, it was almost the same exact explanation as to, um, Oh, what was that episode that we watched uh, where it was the, the the woman with the little girl that was talking to her? Um, uh, uh, um, oh, um, shoot. Uh, de- a death as a child. Uh, um, oh, my God. Um, this is bad. Yeah. Nightmare, nightmare, as a child. nightmare as a child it was yeah. almost the same explanation like that's what it felt like yeah to me. yeah and that's yeah. why that's why i kind of moaned when he said and then the doctor <laughs> came out because it's this is this is such a important message there's such an important message in this and everything and all of a sudden 
we cut to this doctor coming in explaining the end of this. Yeah. And it was just such a groan worthy moment on such a like pretty, pretty well executed episode up until this point. Yeah. I just, so, so yeah. So we know that Lutz is going to be insane forever because of the crimes that he committed against humanity. Rightfully so. Um, yeah. Cause yeah. Becker says like, uh, this isn't your final judgment. Only God can judge you. Yeah. Um, in the end, like, we're not going to kill you. We're just going to take your sanity, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, I it's just I can't put my finger on what's missing from this. Like, there, there's a lot of, like, a lot of good in the terms of the presentation, the acting, the idea. I'm not, I'm not going to take anything away from the episode from that. But there's something that there's, there's that missing ingredient that makes this something that should be on the upper echelon of the twilight zone, like message episodes. And I don't know what it is. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe more of a twist or a revelation or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely even leaving the doctor out and just extending some of the dialogue, I think would have made more of an impact of having him just, you know, feel the pain and stuff and just go crazy. Just I mean, have the ghost explain it and just be done. Even if like you I, did like the double fake, like um, we've, we've, we've talked about Twilight Zone, the movie a little bit where the first segment of that episode is a guy who is a complete racist and he's put into various situations where he is the, the minority that he was racist towards. Like what if you would have had loots like at the very end, like, you know, it cuts back to him being in the camp and then you had Becker in the role of the Punisher of some, not, I, I'm just kind of spitballing this, but like something where it's like now you have to be in this camp and experience everything, which they kind of already did. But like his punishment is that from day one, you're in this camp forever and this is what you're experiencing. I think that would have been more satisfying versus just like, guess he went to crazy town and we've taken him away. You know, like I don't, I don't, there's something. Like this whole thing is about heavy handedness and punishment and the sins that he's committed. And I'm not saying that what happened to him isn't big enough, but from a viewership standpoint and watching the show, I feel like there should have been something something more. And I feel like that's yeah. what was missing. Yeah, I, I feel like you wouldn't have done that because the, you're kind of flipping the role of the Jewish prisoners no, no, in that and everything and putting them as and, like the <laughs> You know, I, I I don't know how that would have gone over. I don't know how it would even go over today. I agree. I, um, I'm not saying it's a great idea. I'm just saying like I'm, no, I'm no. I understand yeah. what you mean. Just having like a bigger twist of a punishment or something at the end. Um, I think that definitely would have helped. I'm curious. So Serling revisited this story, which we'll talk about the true story of this in a second here. Yeah. Um, with a novella he did in 1967 called The Escape Route, which ended up being the final segment in the pilot of Night Gallery. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so he ended up revisiting this story, which he wrote this commenting, there's the capture of SS Lieutenant Colonel Adolf Eichmann in 1960. Um, he was captured, by, I think, by the Swiss or something, and he no, was executed was, in 1962. It I'm sorry, it was the Swiss. That? It was um, it was the Mossad. It was uh, there was really oh, okay. uh, right. they went in and they went in. They there's this whole big convoluted way that, that they went in and got him from South America, Argentina. So, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
So the, yeah, because that, that's where like the whole boys from Brazil and everything, because mm-hmm. a lot of those countries in South America were offering no not necessarily amnesty, yeah. but yeah, no extradition, safe haven for anyone. Not not only Nazi officers because they were neutral during all of it. Um, even a lot of Jewish immigrants and everything, mm-hmm. which uh, funny story, not funny, but interesting enough. Oscar Beragi or Junior, the actor who plays the. Uh, uh, Lutza in this, he was actually in South America escaping from the Nazis during World War II. Well, and even um, Karen Vern, the innkeeper, she yeah. um, she had to leave, flee her country, her home country, because of the fears of what was happening. So there was a lot of everybody like getting the hell out of Europe because they knew what was coming. You know, so yeah. yeah. So Serling was really uh, connected, being uh, uh, Jewish himself. Um, he he really took to the story and he ended up redoing it and um i i know it's it's a it's a incredible story the capture of him and i they're doing a movie i believe this year i think you could probably speak to that more so so yeah so like um we, you mentioned that so rob was inspired by the trial of Otto adolf uh, eichmann uh which happened um what was it 19 it was the the trial started april 11 61 and so the air date on this was uh, November 10th, 61. So he was watching this trial was happening live because uh, uh, as this was going on, they made sure that as fast as it could be put on television, people needed to see the trial of this Nazi. Like, so they, they whoever was in charge of this made sure the world could see what was going on. So obviously Serling was inspired by this. Uh, oddly enough, there is a film coming out here on the 29th, so 13 days from now from a recording called Operation Finale. It follows the story of the Jewish Nazi hunters that were sent out to, to capture Adolf Eichmann in 1960. So it's funny that we, we do this episode and that there's a film coming out in like less than two weeks that deals with the exact situation that inspired Serling to write the episode to begin with. Um, but to think about that, like it was 1960-61, and there were still like high ranking Nazis like on the loose, you know? And like, it's, and I know um, like Goebbels ends up dying like 71. Like it just, it, it's something that it's hard to like not being in that time. Think that some of these guys got away and, and died in relative peace considering the shit they caused, you know? Yeah. And, and and Eichmann was somebody who is credited as, being one of the people who came up with the idea for the concentration camps. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's not somebody who was just as it, this, at this episode, I mean, uh, not to paint, uh, uh, Lutz as a, as a good character or anything, but like, he's literally just an officer in this. Whereas Eichmann that the story is based on loosely, uh, he had a major, major role. Yeah. In the slaughter of you know countless amount of prisoners, it's 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 sickening, you know. Yeah, Serling so um, wrote the script with the for this within two weeks of the trials telecast. So he wrote this within two weeks of April wow. of this thing happening, and it was put into production and it was aired less than a year later. Think, I think about that. Like I just, I, it's just, it's it blows my mind. As much as we feel like sometimes whenever he gets he gets on his high horse of like, you know, a message like story and brings like a two hander and as well, you should, 
And that's the whole thing is like, yeah, I I, I feel like this uh, he's he's dealt with like anti fascist uh, uh, themes before on the show. I feel like this is one of those themes where it's like you kind of have to come at it guns blazing. There's (laughs) there's not much subtlety with uh, killing a Nazi, you know. Like we got to get this done, <laughs> so, <laughs> so right. I I totally understand it. Uh, like you said, I wish there was a little bit more of an ending uh, to this, but what are you gonna do? I mean, the, the, it's one of those things where it's like on paper the ending's fine. It's just there's something about it that's not like ultimately satisfying for a TV show I, for me. I just I just hate the doctor coming and explaining the yeah, twist. I do too. That yeah. it just happened. Yeah. That's oh, my biggest problem with it. And so so I can see why, like, when we talk about, like, we just come off of the heights of uh, It's a Good Life. And it's like, and so this one, which I had not seen before, and I kind of read the synopsis before coming in. I'm like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be one of those, one, like, a, like a hidden gem. And it is, for the most part. I don't, like, when we get to the end of the season, I don't know if this is going to be my top five. But this is one that I feel like when I made the joke about this should be shown in, like, classrooms. It should be showed in classrooms. I really believe that. Like, um, I, I um, when I was in high school, they showed me Schindler's List. Like, they played it in like our history class. I don't know if it was like one of those substitute teacher scenarios where the teacher was gone for however long. We watched yeah. it over the course of three days. Like, think about that. Like, we had to keep stopping the tape and coming in and watching Schindler's List over the course of like a week. Yeah, and it was always Schindler's List and Glory. Glory, yeah, <laughs> right? So when we get to the, end of the Schindler's List, when it shows all the survivors going up to Schindler's grave and putting, like, rocks as remembrance for, like, as, like, a thank you for saving me and my family, it, like, think about, like, I was, like, a junior in high school. Like, you know, I was still almost in tears after watching the story over, like, three or four days. And it's, like, it's, it's one of those things that, ingrained in me enough to where I've never seen Schindler's list a second time, but it was enough to, to wreck me as a high school student. And I feel like this is one of those things that the um, hate left unchecked causes these things to happen. Hate and ignorance unchecked cause these things to happen. And we need to be constantly vigilant and reminded of it. And it sucks because it's 2018 and just the weekend before we just, we just, um, ruminated about a year ago of the tragedy that happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, you know, and yeah. not to get like super political, but this is, I mean, let honestly, let, let's get down to brass tacks. This is a political episode in the sense of like Nazis are bad. They should be punished. I, I don't understand why that message has, it needs to be uh, reiterated in the sense of like having a debate, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, it shouldn't. The, uh, the real thing <laughs> that shouldn't. should be talked yeah. about in this, like, <laughs> not not to dismiss all that, because yeah. what you say is it's it's important, and but it really shouldn't be the argument. You know, the reminder of remembering history and learning history, you know, so we don't repeat it and everything. Uh, that's really what this goes in, and I think it was last year or. It, it, yeah, I think it was last year with the removal of a lot of the Civil War oh, monuments yeah. and everything. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit different because monuments are usually put up as as a way of glorifying something or, you know, paying respects to something. Whereas, like, leaving a building standing is more of like, this is a piece of history. Um, you know, like, it, we don't want to tear it down because we want to remember 
Well, know? but there's there's so a lot it's, of, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like I feel like it's a little different leaving like a General Lee statue up or something <laughs> where it's like in memorial to rather than just like we should preserve the battlefields of like Antietam and stuff. Well, like we should definitely preserve those because we need to learn about history and everything. I, I think I think what you're saying. So like uh, Auschwitz is still there. You can go you can go visit and learn from it. And I and I know um, uh, oh, I'm going to mess this up. Dachau, 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 Dachau. It, it functioned until the 60s, by the way. I didn't realize that. Like, not in the sense of being a concentration camp, but there was other purposes it served. And it was like, you know, you had if you were somebody that was stationed there, it's like you had to feel weird about it, right? You had to feel a little weird. But there's a lot yeah. of this that's still there. And, and, and it's one of those things that, like, the, the, the nation of Germany has kept it there because to forget about it would be to dismiss it, dismiss it, and and to dismiss it would be to give it power, like to give that thought process power again. And it's scary because there's a lot. There's actually in the most recent election cycle in Germany, there are some of these weird far right like people. They're like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have immigrants in our country, and it's starting to creep in again. And it's like it's 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 it blows my mind that that the the one nation that um they everyone always like when you think of germany unfortunately you think of like obviously chocolate and hitler i don't know what else you think of in germany and beer um it, it's one of those things that like they they know what they did they know as a nation what they did and they're trying to move past it but it's starting to creep in again because there's been what two and a half generations that have been raised after and it's easy to dismiss if you weren't there to see it and yeah. that's that's the and, and not to get on the high horse because obviously I wasn't there either, but it's, it's, it's so documented and so evident. Why is this still a thing? And here yeah. we are having this conversation about it. And, and that's what Serling gets in at the end of this yeah. when he's talking about like, why do we leave these things there? And that's the reason, you know, we can't just get rid of these things. We have to remember Yeah. for better or worse. We have to remember. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it, like I said, this this episode, for the the problems it may have with some of its storytelling, I think is one of the most important episodes since we started doing the show. We're like, yeah, we talk about a, you know, we talk about a show from the '60s, so relevant, right? People don't even care. <laughs> but like, <laughs> this is this is the episode I think is the most relevant that we've discussed so far on the show. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately. So. Um... Yeah, so uh, just to like to to give a little bit of um, a connection, not connection, a history. Like I mentioned, the cast were all European, and they all had uh, connections to uh, World War II and the concentration camps, which that was very important that they were all brought in for this. Um, also, fact that um, the set was actually a set that um, was built for a Western series that wasn't used. So they moved it yeah. and just used it. So it definitely did not look like what you imagine as a concentration camp. But uh, it was one of those things. It's it's you're not going to film on an actual concentration camp uh, location. <laughs> well, so yeah, it, it's no. one of those things you just kind of let go. So the set evidently was co- it, to build it at the time was two hundred thousand U.S., which is around one point six million now, uh, and it was just sitting there and being dilapidated. So Buck Houghton was like, "Yeah, it was easy to distress the set." versus building a new set so like i like i i i, I kind of dig the whole like hey it's here let's just use it like i like they're always constantly looking out how to cut cut costs which is the right thing yeah, to it, do yeah 
it's similar to the first episode of the season two where they're like, yeah, we got the set. Let's just, uh, yeah, let's just beat it up a little bit more. We're perfect. You know, <laughs> it's going to yeah. cost nothing. So, um, so yeah, that was the only thing I got that was behind the scenes other than, uh, Rod was inspired by the thing. That's about to be a movie we could go see in two weeks. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see that movie too. Uh, Oscar Isaac looks pretty great and Ben Kingsley always fantastic yeah, actor Kingsley so. plays Eichmann if I remember right so like yeah uh, yeah he definitely does and, and I was telling Kevin before we started recording uh Drunk History the show on Comedy Central recently told the story about the capture of Adolf Eichmann granted from a more drunker and comedy-based perspective and Adolf Eichmann's play by Weird Al Yankovic so take that for what it's worth <laughs> um and I I watched the story and it's just fun because um, Rachel Bloom uh, of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend tells the story and she's just getting blitzed on her. And that's probably not the right word I should have used. She's getting just drunk on her couch and it's 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 a good time just listening to her tell the story about Operation Finale. Um, so it's on YouTube. You guys can find that. Um, not Probably not 100% factual, but still worth it to see Weirdo Yankovic dressed up as a Nazi. I don't know how to describe that. Like... I can't, I can't exist in a reality in which that happened, but it did. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. So yeah, that's all I got from the notes for, for the episode and proper. I don't know if you had any, anything else you wanted to mention. No, I, th- I think, like you said, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, he comes at this guns blazing and, and uh, it, it, there's really not much that goes on within the episode outside of dialogue and it's great dialogue. And the two lead performers in this are just, incredible together absolutely and yeah. and i guess they were actually friends uh offset as well they knew they knew each other for a long time yeah it's one of those things i was reading about this and like so they knew each other for a few years but one uh, but when you mentioned that um uh Bergi was uh like over in south america he was living in a household in which i believe he slept under a picture that was a, like a framed photo of um shield Crowdy's family for like years before they hmm. met so he was like sleeping under the photo of this guy he didn't know. And then they would meet like a few years before this episode and become friends. And then they would be adversaries in this episode. So I like the idea that he was like constantly sleeping under the photo of this guy he never knew. Like, and then, so like their families kind of knew each other. So it's, it's interesting that, um, that the, the casting, the way it worked. So that, yeah, like again, yeah, they knew what they were they, doing. Yeah. And they play off each other amazingly in this. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, uh, uh, Shield Kraut, he he knows when to react and he knows when to give the right reactions because he he plays it as straight as he can. But you can see the emotion slipping in here and there throughout his performance. Yeah, uh, very power, very powerful stuff from from uh, Shield Kraut and Beregi, Beregi, however it's pronounced. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so um, yeah, well, let's just let's just get to the twist for what it's worth. <clears throat> yeah. So the twist is that a former SS member would get judged by the ghost of those he tortured and killed. I'm going to give it a one. Like, it just seems pretty like it, there's nothing about this that is um, hidden from the viewer from the get go. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just in terms of the twist, nothing surprised me. Yeah, I, w- I was going to try and give it a two to be nice. But as soon as that that goddamn doctor <laughs> came on the set, I... <laughs> I yeah. wish you were here to hear the audible groan that came out of me. I was just like, ah. Oh. You should have sent me a voice memo. I would have had no idea what was going on. It's like, I got an attachment. Oh. So frustrating. Um, but yeah, I think you have to give this twist a one. Uh, again, 
Uh, our twist ratings do not reflect our opinions of the entire episode. Uh, Steve, I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, mean. I, I think this is an important episode, and I, I want people to check it out. Um, so as much as I'm uh, I'm talking down about the whole Doctor at the end, the rest of the episode is fantastic. Absolutely. So, so all right. All right, that's going to do it for Death's Head Revisited. Um, yeah. So, Kevin, how can people find us? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, I actually have an idea for a YouTube video to do this week. So uh, keep an eye on that page. Is it you uh, reacting to something? I hope it's just you reacting to like an unboxing of something. It has nothing to do with the Twilight Zone. Like that's what. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to be uh, doing makeup tutorials on <laughs> YouTube <laughs> in black and white. Um, as, as long as it has an image be of you. silent film makeup tutorials. <laughs> as long as the fingernail is you just like gasping at something in like a crazy font. Because that seems to be all reaction videos on YouTube. So I would yeah, love no, that. <laughs> no, I'm, th- I'm thinking about pouring a glass of scotch, putting on my smoking jacket, and uh, go through some good anthology horror films in my collection. Nice. Uh, uh, that would yeah. be great. Yeah, so uh, keep an eye on the YouTube page. If I have time... Um, uh, I, I hopefully I do this week. If not, it'll be up there some point. Um, email us at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, if you want to leave us emails or voicemails on there, we'd definitely appreciate it. If you want to play it on the show or just want to give us feedback, um, either way is fine. You can subscribe to us and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Satchel, uh, anywhere you can find podcasts. We are there. And like I said, if you could review us on iTunes, especially, it would really help us out. Yeah, absolutely. So next episode, uh, not topical at all. Uh, the Midnight Sun. Uh, let me read the review here. Not review. The Serling intro um, the teaser. I'm going to mess it up. All right. Next week, we will see what will happen to a world that with each passing hour draws closer and closer to the sun. This is a nightmare in depth in which we watch two doomed women spend their last hours struggling for survival against the fiery orb that moves over the top of a hot, still deserted city. We call it the Midnight Sun, and we also recommend it most heartedly. That's not topical whatsoever with being August and the wildfires in California and all the talk of things going on. That has nothing to do with the world that we know now. So it'll be interesting to get into some sci-fi. Yeah, do you think this might be the sweatiest episode of Twilight Zone we're going to cover? <laughs> we've seen we've seen a lot of sweat throughout the series. It's true, um, I, and I, I will admit I've seen I, I've watched this episode previously. Uh, there was a handful I watched to try to get some ideas for an intro for Strange Highways, and this is one of the ones I watched. So I've seen it previously. I don't know if you've seen this one or not. Uh, um, probably 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I was just like, yeah, I'll check it out. And it's, it's one, it's another one of these ones where it's a good idea and we'll get to how I feel about it, but it's definitely a, um, for the world being, uh, the earth going towards the sun. I feel like people's, uh, reactions to imminent doom are a little lacking. <laughs> so we'll get into that when we get there. So we'll, we'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't can't wait now. Yeah. So, all right. I mean, some some good. We went from a good. Li- it's a good life to where there's this kid controlled the world and killed people with his mind and some of the cornfield to 
you know, the ghosts of war past to the earth tilting into the sun. So I'm glad that we're on this good stretch of feel good episodes with the twilight zone. So this will be, this will be fun to talk about, especially yeah. this is, this is going to be right before I, I hiatus before you go flying into a volcano. So that would be, uh, yeah, basically. So <laughs> <laughs> there's been some, uh, doing the strange highways. We were talking about it off air. There's been some strange, uh, parallels, from the episodes we've covered into our personal life as we've done this show. So it's been kind of interesting to see how things have lined up, but yeah, I made the joke before we were on air tonight. It was, it was good that we talked about this episode tonight. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so that's what it was. It was real good. It was real good. Um, we're just going to wish all the Nazis in the cornfield. So anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, have a, have a good week. We're going to, that's it for this episode. Be safe. And, uh, to quote someone I know, I figure this is prominent right now. Don't, <laughs> be, Hitler, don't be Hitler. <laughs>